This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Welcome back to another edition of the of the uh, Making Matt Rushmore here on the PTV Pop Experience. It is a new year, um, and we're looking forward to what 2024 is going to bring to us. I am, of course, your host slash moderator slash panelist for this episode, Steve Riddle, and it's a big one here because it is episode number 50. Yes, we have had uh, 50 episodes of Making Matt Rushmore, and we do uh, thank you for your support. And I do want to also thank all the great uh, guests that have come on over these last 50 episodes. Uh, we've had a lot of great discussions, um, a lot of great topics to talk about. we got a great one to talk about tonight. Uh, well, let me bring in my uh, solo guest here. Um, he has been on before. It's um, been a while for him, but I'm glad to have him back as always. And it is Mr. John Kisalika. John, how are you, sir? Steve, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, and congratulations on 50. Uh, you know, I know you guys put a lot of work into these and have some really, really fun uh, kind of discussions about all these weird topics. I'm, I'm bummed I missed a couple of them that I wasn't able to jump in on, but but happy to get back here to talk about some 80s guys and girls as we uh, you know enter into this next half, moving towards 100. Man, I'm excited for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, and uh, I do want to, uh, like I say, um, I do want to say, of course, uh, we do have a, um, we do have a third person that did uh, submit a list. Uh, he unfortunately was not able to join us, and that's of course uh, the man who started making Mount Rushmore, uh, Mr. Andy Atherton. Uh, he was nice enough to send in a list, and as um, John kind of spoiled there, um, our episode here, we are going to be talking about um, it, guys and girls from the 1980s. Uh, of course, way back in episode four. Um, they did an episode on the It Guys and Girls of the 90s, so I figured, oh, might as well, you know, do another decade and do another, you know, a big decade, which had a lot of, um, you know, guys and girls that were very, um, that, you know, people looked up to, emulated them, that sort of thing, and, um, and I think we got some really good discussions to talk about here, so we um, are going to start with the guys here for this episode, for this first half here, and, um, John, I'm going to go ahead and let you go and start. Um, so give us the first entry on your Mount Rushmore of 80s It Guys. Sure. I don't know about you, Steve, but I had a lot easier time going through guys and picking them out for It Guys on this than I, than I did for girls. Maybe it was because I was looking for for guys who, for people who were It for having more longevity throughout the year. Or maybe it was just that the guys, in some cases, had more, more staying power and weren't just of the moment. But... That's and that's kind of where I leaned on. So I start in music, and one of the the artists to me that you know personifies 1980s music and 1980s style and culture uh, is Prince. I think it's easy for a lot of people to say you got to go Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was everything there, but for me, Prince is even bigger just from the way that he kind of evolved over time and changed along with the decade and his sound. His performances, his styles were really seen in culture, like outside of music. Uh, you know, you start with him as a performer, obviously, some of the great singles we loved of Red, Little Red Corvette and in 1999 in the early 80s and moving into, you know, obviously a Purple Rain really hitting home and with that big culmination with a film and songs topping the charts. 
he's one of the first artists I can remember that really uh, was able to make that crossover even into film. I mean, the guy won an Oscar for the soundtrack for Purple Rain, uh, and ha- which produced, you know, When Doves Cry, Purple Rain, Darling Nikki, whatever tracks you want to pick off of that, all bangers. I love Prince because his music is danceable, it's fun. He was the one in charge of writing all those songs and playing a lot of the instruments on his albums, even though he had the revolution there. But uh, the and again, just thinking about fashion and style, uh, Prince was a flamboyant dressing guy, uh, always like a showstopper performer with the guitar. To me, when I think of the 1980s, I think of rock and roll glam or funk glam, as it would be. Uh, Prince is the top of the charts there. So, yeah, all in on Prince for my 80s it guy to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I had him as an honorable mention. Um, did not make Andy's list, but, yeah, I mean, he was just so synonymous with that decade. I mean, like you said, you know, Purple Rain, um, so many great uh, hits throughout that decade, uh, you know, 1999, uh, When Doves Cry, just, you know, and he, like he said, he had a style of his own. Um, just from the way he looked to the his stage presence to his you know guitar playing, um, he he really was like a complete package. And um, you know throughout you know he would of course not just you know level off in the eighties. He of course went through the nineties. Um, you know there was that brief time where he of course was the artist formerly known as um, yeah. before going back to Prince. And of course um, one of his last um, obviously greatest moments um, of his career and his life was of course his uh, Super Bowl halftime show. Um, yeah. You know, we performed Purple Rain in the rain. So um, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so uh, no, Steve, no. I mean, yeah, just a, just an amazing, amazing icon for music. Like you said, he was a rock star who also played funk and like dance music, like pop hits, but still like a rock guitarist. Uh, you know, in the end, he even tied himself at the at the end of the 80s, 1989. He's tied to probably the biggest cultural phenomenon we had that year with Batman. Who did the soundtrack for that? Who did they say we need to do it? It's Prince. Right. And so he's he's just an enduring part of this whole decade. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's I, I you know, yeah, that's a good a point about uh, about Batman. I mean, that's, you know. One of the biggest films of that de- of that year, and he was a big part of that soundtrack. So um, definitely, when you think of '80s, um, particularly for music, he's definitely you know in terms of the guys, he's definitely the first one that I think gets thought about. So, um, but I will go ahead now and give my first entry on my Mount Rushmore, and I kind of uh, I kind of wanted to spread out throughout the different genres. So like I have like a you know musician, a movie star, like a TV star, and like a celebrity, because I think all all the walks of life definitely um, provided um, great you know it it guys and girls and um and you, it's funny you did mention him, but I did um, end up having him on my list. Um, and that's of course the guy, another guy who really symbolized the '80s in terms of the music scene. That's of course the uh, the late great Michael Jackson. Um, you know, coming out of the the Jackson Five, and you know, he first had his you know first big you know big record um, off the wall in the late seventies, and then you know you started to get a little bit of traction, but then of course in nineteen eighty three out came Thriller, and forget about it, he was off to the races then. I mean, between between Beat It, Billie Jean, Thriller, um, you know, he was called the King of Pop for a reason because he just again just had such a great stage present with his presence, with his uh, voice, his dances. Um, excuse me, his stage presence. Um, and of course, that continued throughout the decade with Bad, um, and then eventually into the 90s and the 2000s. Of course, you know, 
his 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 career kind of you know took a turn in the 90s of course with all the um the personal issues and all the um you know the the you know the the legal issues you know you know whatever you might think about him as a person you know is is of course you know up for debate but there is really no denying that when it comes to um to music and particularly um as an 80s icon he is definitely one of the most um recognizable and um you know guys that you always think about when you think of that decade and in terms of the music business um and i think you know again regardless of what you thought of him as a as a person and dealing with those issues he um he definitely commanded um commanded the stage whenever he took it so um and he didn't have him on his list but you did have him as our own mention because you did mention him quickly when you talked about prince yeah yeah and there's no denying michael jackson as I mean, beyond an it guy, because he's just there all the time. And his influence on music, his influence on culture, just on fashion in general, uh, I think was really, really most seen in the 80s. I th- the fact that he was one of these artists who really utilized music video uh, to to make, you know, to, to help his music spread or to help his like in, his uh, influence spread was was really phenomenal. And you think about you know, how many people would, you know, try to do the moonwalk or like would wear a red leather jacket or or like the just simple fashion trends that, that come from that, from his look. And as that evolved and and the this and you know went along with people's culture in the eighties and the songs were always there. The songs were always great and they provided just a perfect soundtrack to uh the time as well. Guy had crossover appeal to where he's performing songs with 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 Paul McCartney to hit the charts instead, showing that there's versatility there. And when you're getting picked up for national ad campaigns by Pepsi, you must be doing something right or connecting with the the, the entire culture in some way that that you're chosen to be the face of that campaign. So yeah, awesome choice here, Michael Jackson. I I, I was personally biased in putting Prince up there, so I no problem with seeing Michael Jackson on a list like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, and um, and it's and I mentioned earlier about how um, you know, we talk about Prince, his iconic Super Bowl halftime show. Really, the Super Bowl halftime show, what is this day, started with Michael in uh, in the early '90s. So he was kind of the first one to, you know, be that first big performer to make the halftime show into such a spectacle that it is today. So, um, so definitely, he definitely deserves a lot of credit for that as well. Um. Okay, well, I'll go ahead and give uh, Andy's first pick here. And he actually, um, I will just go ahead and mention it. He has a lot of um, pr- pretty much all actors um, that kind of dominated the decade. So um, so the first one he has on here was somebody, and this um, this group we'll, uh, we'll, talk about, uh, we'll talk about quite frequently throughout this, um, this listing here. Um, but he took from the, uh, from the Brat Pack, uh, Mr. Rob Lugg. Uh, of course, uh, he came into prominence in the early 80s um, as, like I said, a member of the Brad Pack. Um, just the films, the films he was in, like The Outsiders, Class, uh, St. Elmo's Fire, About Last Night, um, Square Dance. You know, he definitely, you know, kind of carved out his um, his niche during that time frame. And then kind of uh, reinvented um, himself in the late 90s, um, you know, as part of the West Wing. Um, and then continuing on in the 2000s with other shows. He was on Parks and Rec. Uh, he was on... Currently, he's on uh, 911 Lone Star. Um, obviously, he did kind of go through a little bit of uh, some personal issues in the um, during that time. Of course, the infamous uh, sex tape in '88, um, and he, of course, you know, like probably like a lot of people, a lot of celebrities in the '80s had a lot, you know, 
dealt with uh, drugs and alcohol. He would eventually get himself clean. Um, and he's, you know, kind of one of those guys that um, he does a lot of great work for charity. But um, and he's kind of one of the guys that when you think about the Brat Pack, he's not one of the immediate, like not the first one that comes to mind. Um, but there is no doubt that when it comes to the comes to this time frame, he was definitely a he, um, a big star in the '80s, and a lot of people did um, did look up to him and um, and definitely saw him as a great um, as a great star here. Um, neither of us had him on our list, but did you have anything else to say about Rob Lowe? No, I mean when you come to the Brat Pack, and Rob Lowe always just felt to me like more of even along with Downey, they they felt kind of like the older versions of those of those actors there. Uh, not not so much synonymous with 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 some of the others that we'll I'm sure uh, discuss throughout this list. But probably one of the better performers actually out of that group, like actually talented actors, and is why that longevity for him, uh, you know, continues that he's still getting roles today. Uh, but. Yeah, you know, anybody from there would be was definitely in the conversation, you know, and was somebody we were going to see movies about, you know, with, you know, every week. So yeah, I have no problem with any of the, the Brad Pack really being a part of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's go hang. Why don't you go ahead and give us the next century on your Mount Rushmore of 80s it guys? Sure. So 80s It Guys, uh, I came back with a guy who, once again, some more crossover appeal, starting in television and breaking into movies and, you know, into just kind of the national spotlight. And that's Michael J. Fox. Uh, Michael J. Fox probably, to me, is a a really unlikely It guy. He doesn't seem like he doesn't uh, really, really give off this sense of cool or like you know really hip guy and in fact like the character he's playing on 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 family ties was absolutely not supposed to be that you know alex p keaton was this young republican yuppie uh, type ideal that still became a breakout star because of his performance and because of just like uh you know people how big that kind of ideal was in the time uh, there was there were people who related to him when he was supposed to be kind of just over the top and funny and and like laugh at these like weird young Republican conservative types. Uh, but he took that role and was able. And even though he was a breakout star of the show, I think what was great was that he never really overwhelmed the cast. He still was part of that. And then he catapulted that into into films, uh, you know, some of the biggest films of the, of the decade, you know, taking that lead role in Back to the Future obviously most notable and this is where I, I come back to like marty mcfly like we would all think and at that time like wow how cool marty is you know skateboarding to school and holding on to the van holding on to the truck while he can do it or like playing electric guitar and you know and and going through time but what a like in essence <laughs> kind of dorky character he feels like the fact that michael j fox was able to lend that 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 relatability, that coolness to the character, I think made it work. You know, he catapulted that. We did Teen Wolf as well. Teen Wolf is one of my favorite films from the 80s. And I could I could go back and watch it all the time. And his character, and that again is kind of a, a nerdy guy, but he becomes the cool wolf uh, and, is, and is able to pull that off. So whether it's, you know, him grabbing on the trucks or surfing on the top of the van as Teen Wolf, like, Everybody wanted to do the things that like Michael J. Fox was doing in these movies. Uh, 
He was far better than the times they tried to replace him with kind of like scaled down versions of Michael J. Fox. And Jason Bateman, sadly, was one of those, I think, as they tried to do with the Hogan family, have kind of a, a breakout star for him. And then he even got to play Teen Wolf and Teen Wolf 2. But nobody did it like Michael J. Fox. Similarly, had a had a crossover with Pepsi commercials. So two stars already we've seen uh, getting Pepsi commercials. And when you're getting that crossover appeal, you're doing something right. You are an it guy. So that's why I got Michael J. Fox here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And um, I, I had him as an honorable mention, as did Andy. Um, I mean, he was definitely very synonymous with the 80s. Um, like you said, you know, first with um, the family ties, which went through the entirety of the decade. But of course, uh, we ask a lot of people, they'll obviously think about him as Marty McFly in the Back to the Future. Um, just such a great, you know, great trilogy. Um, he and Christopher Lloyd play play off each other so well. Um, of course, you mentioned, you know, Teen Wolf and a bunch of the, he did some other films. And then, of course, in the late 90s, he was part of Spin City, um, which kind of kept his um, kept it going for him. Um, and I remember, you know, and it was it was a big deal when. Um, in 98 when he announced that he had parkinson's disease um and it kind of you know we would you know it wasn't kind of noticeable at first but as we've seen over the years now he's definitely um sadly has gotten you know almost you know he has kind of you know started to really suffer from it but um but you know he, he's really become the face of it too but he's definitely had a um a hell of a career um and like you said you know not something you immediately think of when you think of a nick guy but given the um the enormity of the roles he had between between family ties and back to the future um he definitely belongs on it he definitely belongs in the conversation yep absolutely um all right so i will go ahead and give uh, my next entry on my mount rushmore and i am actually going to stick with um with the small screen um even though he uh, even though this guy was a um was a you know occasional movie star he mainly got um was best known for his role in uh, television um and i went with uh, one tom Selleck. um of course uh, everyone remembers him as being of course uh, magnum pi um throughout the 80s and he was just you know the absolute you know the coolest guy in the world i mean he just you know between the the hair and the the mustache and just the absolute you know just you know just the aura that he presented um as the star of that show um it's just, you know, again, it just radiated out the television screen. Um, and it was a look that a lot of people definitely emulated. I mean, obviously, for us wrestling fans, we know that um, Magnum TA um, looked a lot like uh, Tom Selleck to the point that he, you know, used the Magnum name. So um, there's really no doubt that, um, that when it comes to um, – at big TV stars at the time that uh, that Selleck was definitely up there, and he of course would continue with throughout the in the nineties and into the uh, into the two thousands. Of course, he's uh, kind of more he's more known now for being on uh, Blue Bloods, um, and like I said, he did star in a couple of other films, a couple of films prior that he was in Three Men and a Baby, um, and a few other ones. But um, but like I said, he'll always be remembered for um, for Magnum PI. And for definitely being one of those guys that when you think of the 80s, um, you always remember his look and his um, and his uh, charisma and everything that he was able to bring um, to that show. So um, Andy did not have him on his list, but um, did you have anything else to say about Tom Selleck? Oh, wow. That's a great pick. And just like Magnum in general is a great, pick. you know, you could just have Magnum as 80s guy or 80s it guy. And absolutely. Wow. Just a just a. Just an icon from the look, the whole feel of the show. 
uh, and everything. It, it's it, it captures that essence of of like of that time period. You know this you know kind of cool cool pi hanging in Hawaii, uh, but 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 getting involved in song crimes. It was always a fun show to watch, and and Magnum was another just like epitome of cool uh, and carried that so well. And Tom Selleck was ideally cast in that performance and you know it's it's they've, they've tried to recapture it in remakes they do a pretty good job here but there's nothing like you know magnum with his tiger's hat hawaiian shirt chest hair out there uh you know ready to go that 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 made like whatever nights it aired you know awesome so great pick i can't believe i didn't think of magnum wow that's awesome great job <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I will go ahead and give another one of uh, Andy's picks here, and this is uh, an actor that again was kind of in that. You know, he's kind of a he's a guy that's kind of um, associated with the Brad Pack, not one that I think is like an official member. He's one that's kind of on the periphery, uh, but another guy that really got his uh, career going in the '80s, um, and that's John Cusack. Uh, of course, the uh, the younger brother of Joan. Um, he, like I said, kind of got his um, start in the 80s. He was in, um, you know, 16 Candles, um, The Sure Thing. Um, and of course, probably his most, one of his most iconic line, uh, roles, uh, Say Anything. Of course, who doesn't uh, remember that iconic scene um, when he's holding up the boombox outside um, outside the girl's window and he's playing Peter Gabriel's In Your Eyes. So um, such, a, like I said, an iconic moment there in, um, in cinema history. And he's, of course, he's still going strong to this day. He's been, you know, doing big, you know, a couple big films throughout the 90s and the 2000s and even to today. Um but like I said, another guy who really got to start in the 80s and, um, and again, maybe kind of on the periphery of the Brat Pack. But again, when you talk about, you know, iconic moments in films, that one, like I said, him with the boombox over his head is always going to be one that sticks out to a lot of people, particularly those that did grow up in the 80s and remember that scene. So um, neither of us had him on our list, though. But did you have anything else to say about John Cusack? I love Cusack. I think he's. Uh, and we'll get to this a little bit in the girls list, but he's one of those guys I would just picture as, you know, who is the protagonist or the, you know, the star of this 80s movie if we're doing a high school or like early college 80s movie. Who's the the guy who might be kind of down on his luck or needs something to work out? And I'm picturing it's John Cusack. That's who I want here. That's why One Crazy Summer works. That's why, you know, my favorite Better Off Dead uh, works so well is his, is his performance. And he's so... Uh, believable and then he he captures this real uh just i don't know feel of the the guy who's 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 looking to make things work and 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 not always being able to get that done uh real great comedy from Cusack and just kind of the everyman actor at that point that was what we were looking for or what worked about some of those those 80s movies where there are some really ridiculous things going on in one crazy summer he's participating in a yacht race and uh, and, you know, in setting loose piranhas and, and also trying to date like a, a singer at the bar, but he grounds it. It's his performance and it's John Cusack, the person that we all kind of tie to that relates it. Same in Better Off Dead. We've got a guy who trained himself learning to speak English by watching Howard Cosell and we got a downhill ski race. We've got a mother blowing up, all of this craziness going on, but Cusack is, you know, the big part for it. So yeah, we knew, I feel like you knew if you were going to a movie and Cusack was going to be in it in those 80s. It was going to be good. And he's a, a perfect, perfect, like, kind of star on that male Brat Pack side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, well, why don't you go ahead and give us the next entry on your Mount Rushmore of 80s it guys? 
Sure. So, you know, sports was really, you know, sports on TV really kind of blew up even more in the 1980s, I would say. Uh, I think, you know, at the beginning of the decade, you had you hear stories about how oh the NBA finals were shown on tape delay. They weren't even shown live. And there were athletes throughout the, the, the 80s that made that bigger and helped it grow. And to me, the biggest of those was Magic Johnson, uh, another just a shining star, completely charismatic, flamboyant, uh, you know, athlete who was one of the first to get a big contract, but really just was a standout star on his own that you wanted to watch, whether it was just like, you know, no look passes he would throw. I remember just highlights of him hitting buzzer beaters or dribbling around his back and the fast break momentum of Showtime with the Lakers. It really gave that team an identity, gave like this like thing that we needed to watch. We wanted to watch the Lakers. We wanted to see magic. And it was one person. Magic, you know, won championships throughout the 80s, won five total. He was my favorite player growing up. You know, even in the Magic versus Bird, we got big ad campaigns building about that where, you know, athletes even more so than teams became like standout stars. And uh, I think Magic was a big, big part of that, really kind of bringing uh, that sense of identity to to athletes. I think about like him on the cover of Sports Illustrated in a top hat dunking the ball. I think about now we started having more posters of athletes uh, you know, in our rooms, even more so than than we're in the past. It feels like he was part of that kind of marketing of athletes. And for that reason, like magic gets gets on my Mount Rushmore here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I did not have him either to Andy, but I can definitely um, find I definitely agree with that. I mean, when he came into the to the league in the in 79, I mean, you know, it was. You know, it was kind of a bit of a downtime for the NBA, but between, you know, with him and, uh, you know, you think about that Lakers, you know, dynasty, you know, with him, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, James Worthy. I mean, like you said, they were called Showtime for a reason because they were so good. They were so dominant during that decade. And then um, having the rivalry with the Celtics and his um, specifically, you know, Johnson and Larry Bird, um, you know, just such a, you know, just brought such great um publicity and exposure to the NBA really kind of brought it back to the forefront. Um, and it was, I mean, again, it was one of those, you know, just kind of out of nowhere shockers when he announced that he had HIV um, and was forced to um, to end his career prematurely because of it. You do wonder what he, um, if he continued into the nineties, how he would have, um, how he would have handled, particularly with, uh, with Michael coming up and, um, and some of these other players that, you know, were really kind of, you know, getting their feet, feet under them as the uh, decade turned um but again he's again one of those guys when you think of you know that time period um particularly when it comes to the lakers he's definitely one of the the biggest stars that they'll ever have you know and definitely one of uh, nba's biggest stars of all time so um so i definitely um definitely agree with that pick and i did think he is a good pick awesome all right, well, I'll go ahead and give uh, my next entry on my Mount Rushmore, and I'm actually going to be sticking with the um, with the sports um, um, field here. And again, a guy who, again, the crossover appeal he had was just so incredible. And again, he's a guy that you know, personal stuff notwithstanding, you can't deny what he did for the for the business that he was in and for uh, pop culture as it was. And I and I end up going with, of course, uh, the immortal Hulk Hogan. Um, you know, when he started his career in the 70s, he was just kind of, you know, a young guy making his way up the ranks. He, you know, was in the WWF, 
um, throughout the late 70s and the early 80s and eventually jumped to the AWA. Uh, but, of course, what really put him on the map was, of course, uh, him being Thunderlips in Rocky III um, in that legendary uh Battle with Stallone, with Stallone's Rocky. Um, eventually, he would return to the WWF in eighty. At the end of '83, he would become the champion in '84, and by then, Hulkamania was pretty much born. And again, the uh, the crossover appeal that he um, that he brought to everything um, was just absolutely incredible. I mean, you think about '85 um, when WWF and MTV partnered up. You know, you had the war to sell the score um, that brought such huge ratings that led into the very first WrestleMania. And um, and Hogan was at the front of this with the forefront of it throughout the entire way. Um, and eventually he would you know, transition into becoming becoming an actor, um, going through the you know, next next few decades. And um, there's just no denying again the appeal that he brought to um, to them to the wrestling business um, at a time when they were still kind of, you know, Still in the territory days when it's like you know grizzled uh, grizzled fans in the you know in the crowds and it was mainly towards you know adults and then when he came along it started to appeal a lot more to kids and he um, and he again you know brought in the families and he kind of he he turned the business particularly the WWF from just a regional northeastern territory into becoming a worldwide phenomenon into a worldwide promotion um, that they still are to this day so um, again whatever you think of him you know. As a person, you can't deny the impact that Hulk Hogan has had, not just on the WWF, but also on the uh, on the pop cu- pop culture world as well, uh, particularly for what he was able to do in the 80s. Um, Andy did not have him on his list, but you did have him as an honorable mention. I did. And, hey, what is one of the most powerful forces of the 1980s? Hulkamania was was riding through there, brother. Uh, you know, who didn't, as kids, like, imitate, like, tearing their shirts or doing the poses like Hogan? This is a guy who sold out stadiums. He sold nine, you know, brought the business, like you said, from the kind of seedier, seedier states to selling 93,000 seats, allegedly, at, at, at the Silverdome, right? And was uh, was crossing over onto SNL into uh, in, into movies as we saw at the end of the year at the end of the decade with no holds barred but yeah when you describe wrestling if you say oh i like pro wrestling to somebody they're going to say oh like hulk hogan you know they're not going to think i think he's something that is so much bigger than that that he's like even kind of defined the sport the guy brought it to you know from from regular you know tv for wrestling even getting into having a saturday morning cartoon right so hulkster is uh is, is was was there to to teach kids about you know about about right and wrong right hey he was he had the the prayers the training the vitamins and then would you know take on whatever big bad guy that was threatening us he was a big part of a lot of people's childhoods at that point and he stands as that that kind of like uh pillar of, of that, that, that we admire like you said some of the stuff much later in life yeah there's some things we're probably not 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 holding him up in in, a, in respect in the same way but for that time period for the 80s absolutely hulk hogan is in that collage of of faces that defined find that decade mm-hmm. yeah absolutely uh, no doubt about it um okay well I'll go ahead and give uh, andy's next pick on his mount rushmore and we'll again he's sticking with the uh, world of acting and um this is a guy I'm not seeing a ton of his stuff, but again, he's a guy that really started. He started in the '80s and really kind of came to fame during that decade with some uh, some pretty big roles. Um, and he ended up going with Matt Dillon. Um, 
course, he um, started his uh, his first role was in uh, 79s Over the Edge, but then, like I said, throughout the 80s, he had a little he had a really good run. Um, you know, some good films like The Body, uh, My Bodyguard, The Outsiders, um, probably one of his more iconic roles, um, The Flamingo Kid. Um, the Big Town, Kansas, just to kind of name a few, and he would continue, obviously, through the decade. My first exposure to him was actually um, 98, so there's something about Mary, because um, he was, you know, the kind of the sleazy, the sleazy uh, detective in that one. Um, but again, another guy that definitely, um, you know, owned that dec- owned the decade with the films he was at. Maybe it's not to the same level as some of the other um, people that we've talked about, Um but he definitely, um, but he definitely deserves a um, deserves a mention because in uh, in an interesting in '91, um, Roger Ebert said that he felt that Dylan was the best actor within his age group. So um, if you got you know Roger Ebert's you know approval, uh, that means you must be doing something right here. Um, so neither of us had him on on our list. But did you have anything else to say about Matt Dillon? Sure. Yeah. '91. That's after Drugstore Cowboy, one of his best roles, probably. Uh, absolutely. You know and an awesome actor his roles in flamingo kid which you cited there and outsiders are great performances you know in the 80s at that point he's kind of getting tied in with even like the teen idol crowd which i'm surprised none of us nobody has mentioned yet like we haven't seen any of the real teen idols pop up here and i think that's where he he fits in in this this 80s it genre like we hadn't seen him truly break out as an actor yet and that would come later but for those reasons yeah he's definitely he's definitely was definitely in the in the perspective and in the discussion for, uh, you know, kind of just even being just a good looking guy and, and, you know, young actor at the time. Uh, so yeah, Matt Dillon. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, you have one entry left on, um, on your Mount Rushmore. Um, so why don't you go ahead and give it to us? I got one left and, you know, Steve, I know we send these lists ahead of time and, and, you know, to make sure, but end this discussion, and going through, I realized that I'd left somebody off, and I can't believe I did. And I got to put him here in my Mount Rushmore to round it out. And I think it comes with the talk of of Hogan. It talks with it comes with the talk that we did of of Magnum as being just so of that time. And this guy, I think, there's no way this guy could exist or like have started outside of the 1980s. And he's the perfect it guy for it. And that's Mr. T. Mr. T is just 1980s i don't think he could have could have risen to the level of fame he did or been as popular or as impactful as he was at any other time other than that starting in 82 where he's in rocky uh, rocky 3 as clubber lang in that breakout role and then getting TV with the A team and BA, just the ridiculous, ridiculous way that his character was afraid of flying, but such a big part of the, the, the character. He played for comedy, he played for action, he had just an awesome way, awesome presentation about him. The Mohawk, the gold chains all over him. He was he was he was somebody we would imitate the way he talks. What you talk, you know, you know, I pity the fool or or any of that stuff. He broke out into, uh, you know, obviously you mentioned Hulk Hogan. One of the biggest parts of selling that first WrestleMania was that they had Mr. T and they got that crossover appeal. Guy did guest spots on different strokes. Had another person who had a Saturday morning cartoon where, of all things, he was a gymnastics coach. and, And they went around and solved crimes. But 
Mr. T is a true product of the 80s and was definitely somebody you would have as a spokesperson, as like a celebrity appearance at that time. And you knew it was lending some sort of cred. I love Mr. T. I love when I see him pop up in appearances now and then uh, where he seems kind of out there, but still in on the whole Mr. T persona. You can't go wrong with this guy. Mr. T is my last it guy for this Mount Rushmore. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I did have him as an honorable mention. Um, and like you said, yeah, he was just so, again, another guy very synonymous with that decade between uh, the A-team, uh, between being Clubber Lang and Rocky Three. Um, you know, he was just, you know, so recognizable, just like I said, for his look, you know, the I pay you the fool, um, the chains. And, and like you said, yeah, like we talked about, you know, just as much as Hogan, he is a big part of that first WrestleMania. The fact that he actually, you know, got in the ring and wrestled um, and looked pretty, you know, he didn't look bad. I mean, he, you know, for a celebrity, he, you know, took it seriously and he um, made it work to the point that they brought him back a year later to do the boxing match with uh, with Piper. Um, and even from there, he still made a couple of other appearances. You know, he was at... Um, Bash of the Beach 94, um, Starcade 94, um, and then, of course, he ended up going into the Hall of Fame, uh, WWE Hall of Fame in 2014 in their celebrity wing um, because he had s- played such an impact on um, on professional wrestling, helping it continue, helping it grow, uh, excuse me, um, when he did get involved. So, um, yeah, he's definitely a guy that um, when you think of this decade, um, I know when, uh, when I had uh, Mr. Bennett on last month, we were talking underrated TV shows. He had the A-Team as one of his shows, and um, okay. it's, def- it's definitely, yeah, I mean, and Mr. T was definitely a big part of it. Yep. I love the A-Team. I love it. <laughs> I can watch this show nonstop. That's a great show. <laughs> Okay, well, um, I only have one entry left on my Mount Rushmore, and actually is the same as Andy's, because we both have it, and another guy who really kind of came into his own in the 80s, um, another actor who, you know, just had such a great run, um, still having a great run to this day, but really kind of broke through broke through in the 80s, and that's, of course, uh, one Tom Cruise. Um, you know, his, um, I mean, it's just it's hard to talk, you know, kind of go through everything, but just to kind of, you know, talk about the 80s. I mean, obviously, Risky Business, one of his first big roles. Um, he was in The Outsiders as well. Obviously, you know, Top Gun in 86, um, with as, and also The Color of Money, um, Cocktail, Rain Man, uh, Born on the Fourth of July. I mean, he's had a lot of, you know, great hits over in the 80s. And, of course, going into the 90s, you know, with, uh, you know, The Days of Thunder, Few Good Men, obviously Mission Impossible. Jerry Maguire. I mean, he's his resume is just so incredible, and he just again just exude exu, exudiated such you know charisma and confidence, and he's just you know you can't help but like that big you know that big smile of his, and he's just you know this one of those guys that just looked like the coolest guy in the world just through you know just for being who you know who he was. Um, again, you know the Scientology stuff with him, you you know take it or leave it, but I think there is no denying that when it comes to um, great 80s stars uh, particularly in in the world of acting he's definitely got to be up there as one of the greats considering the uh, the number of films he had during that decade so um i definitely see why andy had him on his list um you did not have him on yours but did you have anything else to say about tom cruise i mean yeah you think of movies that dominated the conversation or were big in the 80s like top like top gun and he's he's the big star of that and he became through that decade, you know, a star that you could actually launch a movie on, uh, even something as ridiculous as Cocktail. <laughs> like that you could say, you know what, people are going to see this just because Tom Cruise is in it. We put him on the poster, and that's going to be, you know, even though it's about bartenders. Uh, so, yeah, he became the probably 
arguably the biggest movie star towards the end of that decade where it's a place he's been for a long time and revisited so uh, seeing it come around in the 80s definitely would be a good fit here so great mm-hmm. yeah definitely um all right well that will um that will conclude our uh, main um list here but let's now go ahead and kind of talk about any uh, honorable mentions that we might have um i will just kind of rattle off really quickly because andy had a lot um again kind of all um, actors and again some familiar names mainly for the for the uh, brat pack um and guys you know guys that really definitely kind of got their kind of came into their own of these um he did have um he had emilio estevez um obviously again you know the breakfast club you know he was such a big part of it my first memory of him though was of course uh the mighty ducks in the 90s so that's kind of um what I'll always remember him for. Obviously, um, also Charlie Sheen, um, again, a guy that kind of, you know, more known for to modern fans for Two and a Half Men, and uh, again, another guy that kind of has been suffering through a lot of his personal demons, but again, a guy who really kind of came into his own in the 80s um, and, you know, really got you know going. Um, Robert Downey Jr., another guy kind of on the periphery of the Brat Pack, um, really came into his own in the 80s. Of course, um, I, like many others, will always remember him now as Iron Man, um, just because he has become so synonymous with that, with that role. Um, another Brat Packer, uh, Judd Nelson, um, again, pretty synonymous with that decade. Um, I believe he was in The Breakfast Club, too. Um, yep. oh, yeah. Also, um, Kiefer Sutherland, um, again, kind of getting his start. Again, another guy maybe more known for other roles, particularly for uh, for being in uh, 24, but um, really got, his, got, got into his own in the 80s. Um, Harrison Ford, um, obviously, you know, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, two of the biggest films of the 80s. Um, and again, another guy that's just, you know, exuberated, exuberated so much charisma and confidence as Han Solo, um, as well as all the of his other roles during that decade. Um, a guy who I think um, probably, need, you know, isn't remembered as fondly just because of the way his life sadly ended, uh, River Phoenix. Um, again, you know, you remember, you know, Unfortunately, remember more about his uh, tragic early passing than anything he did, but he definitely also was a big name throughout that decade. And then finally, of course, he does have Patrick Swayze. I mean, Dirty Dancing, again, was one of the biggest films of the decade. Um, you also had um, you had Ghost that decade as well. Um, and again, another guy just so kind of synonymous with that um, with that decade. So um, did you have anything else to say about any of those um, those gentlemen that I mentioned? No, just a just a, you know. Great, great roster right there, and definitely all impactful in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, did you have any other album mentions you wanted to talk about? Yeah, uh, you know, I had knocked him off to make place for Mr. T was Sylvester Stallone, just who had you know awesome output in the decade, and you know made two iconic characters really, you know, with Rocky and Rambo getting to be uh, you know characters that that that. that you know, dominated box offices and even small screens when with the Rambo cartoon there, uh, Stallone really became, you know, against like Schwarzenegger, the two bankable, uh, you know, action stars of that decade that you could rely on and would, would think of to go for. Uh, I think he's he's a, a definite icon for that. And I'm surprised nobody's mentioned him still. I was thinking from, you know, all the kind of pop idol tufts we have, we got no Corys mentioned. Corey Haim and Corey Feldman, which I've just remember being very popular in those in the in the very late 80s, at least. Maybe they're gearing more early 90s, but I would remember late 80s of uh, being able to 
being films together and also just on the cover of those like Tiger Beat and whatever magazines. Uh, those would be kind of it people that I think of that were just there for flashy moments and not that. N- nothing, <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing too lasting though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's um, about Stallone. Yeah. I mean, he really, you know, even though Rocky came out of the, the first Rocky came out of the seventies, he definitely kind of really hit his stride in the eighties between Rocky three, Rocky four. And then obviously with, uh, with rant, with the Rambo series. Um, and he was again, just kind of like that really cool, tough guy that you wanted to just, you know, that you want to hang out with. And yeah, I actually, I did just remember as well, the Corey's, um, cause I did just throw them last minute on my honorable mentions. Yeah. They were just, again, they were just so synonymous with that decade. And, um, it's, it is kind of sad when you hear about the, when you read their kind of learn about their history and know what's, um, kind of know the, the trauma that they went through as child actors. Um, you know, Corey Haim, sadly no longer with us, um, died really young. Um, Feldman, I know is still alive, but, um, yeah, just to kind of, you know, they always talk about how um, the worst thing you can be is a child actor because of what it, the business does to you. And I think they're, they're sadly the poster children of that. So, um, but yeah, you definitely can't forget about them. Um, just a couple of other people I had on my honorable mentions. I also did have Harrison Ford um, on mine. Um, I also had Robert De Niro. Um, he definitely kind of came into his own during that decade. Obviously, Raging Bull in 80, in 80 um was one of his biggest films and he obviously did some other ones and then another athlete i included kind of you know really one of the most synonymous guys you think about when it comes to not just um nfl but also baseball because he was a two-sport athlete and that's bo jackson um you know he was such synonymous with that decade uh, with the raiders and like i said played baseball i mean he has i mean tecmo tecmo bowl was basically built around him. I mean, the fact that you know, it was Tecmo Bo. So um, when you get your own name on a um, on a video game, you know you're something special. So um, so I think he definitely deserves to be mentioned. So um, I don't know if you have anything else to say about the uh, couple of the last few people I mentioned. I love the Bo pick. Uh, I was I was debating on Bo for my list as well. Uh, you know, again more crossover appeal than like he has the bow nose uh you know where he, that he can play all these sports or that he can do all these things uh i loved watching him on the royals i loved watching him you know with the raiders and of course playing in this in tecmo bowl yeah he's kind of like right on that bridge because it's like 88 89 90 91 like he's he's kind of in between both but i could definitely see him as one of our it guys here Mm-hmm. Another Saturday morning cartoon guy because he got uh, pro stars with Wayne Gretzky and uh, I think it was Michael Jordan, right? Didn't they have they Jordan. had their own their own cartoon, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did. So that's the, that's the maybe that's the key to becoming a hit person. Do you get a Saturday morning cartoon? Yeah, do you get your own cartoon? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, all right, well, that will go ahead and wrap it up for this uh, first half here. We talked a lot of great um, 80s it guys, and so now we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the uh, some of our picks for the best 80s it girls. Uh, this is, of course, making Matt Rushmore here on the Pop Experience, and we will be back on the other side of this break.
And we're back on Mickey Mount Rushmore here on the PTP Pop Experience. I'm Steve Rowe alongside John Kisalika and Andy Atherton in uh, Pop Proxy here. Uh, we are discussing uh, it guys and girls from the 1980s. Those uh, act, you know, you know, actors, actresses, sports figures, musicians that when you think of that decade, they're the first ones you think of. Um, in the first half, we talked a lot of great 80s it guys. And now for the second half here, we're going to be talking about the 80s it girls. Uh, these are the ones that, I mean, you could not, you know, whether it be watching them on TV, flipping through a magazine, um, the fashion they had, the style they had, it resonated with you know everybody and made them you know popular icons of the decade. And I'm going to go ahead and start off with my first pick and probably the most obvious pick of this uh, of this uh, list here. I'm sure um, if anybody else was doing a Mount Rushmore, this uh, this, uh, this lady would be on everybody's um, Mount Rushmore of '80s it girls because she was the it girl of that decade, and that's of course Madonna. Um, you know, she did get her start in the um, in the seventies in terms of music, but in nineteen eighty four, when uh, like a virgin hit, um, she just absolutely exploded. I mean, just again, her look, the uh, the teased hair, the sunglasses, the the clothes she wore, um, her music was just again so infectious. Um, honestly, everyone remembers her iconic performance at the first VMAs, um, where she performed like a virgin, and of course the uh, the the wedding dress. Um, and then, you know, continuing through that, you know, decade with, you know, Material Girl, um, you know, just, again, just such a, um, you know, just kind of really defined that decade um, with her, with everything, um, eventually kind of getting crossed over into the film. Um, and even still to this day, she's going, you know, pretty strong um, throughout her, throughout, you know, still performing today, um, has had many great hits, not just through the 80s, but through the 90s and the 2000s and onward. And, um and she just became such a such an icon um, for pop culture again, not just in music, but just in general with everything that surrounded her. And um, and again, when you think of the 1980s and uh, people synonymous with that decade, um, I guarantee she's the first one that usually comes to everybody's minds just for the impact that she had. And to that point, um, she is uh, one of only two that actually made all three of our Mount Rushmores because Andy had her on his, and John, you had her as well. Absolutely. And just an influential pop star, probably the first real like reinvention of what does it mean to be a female pop solo star. And we saw that obviously the music speaks for itself. You can list off hit after hit and great song after great song. But I think her influence just on on people is is where you see it. Like Madonna changed from album to album and her fans would change along with her. She's got dangly earrings and denim jackets and and bracelets. Her fans are dressing that same way. She crops her hair, dyes it blonde at true blue. We see that like take over. She's going brunette in like a prayer. It, it works that way. She connected with the public in a way that made that that showed that she was uh just like really in touch in touch and on the like her finger on the pulse of what people wanted and what people were interested in and that she could sometimes even direct that uh her jumping into you know acting is you know misguided as it might be at times <laughs> like it wasn't the best but desperately seeking susan is still pretty good uh we can think about who's that girl and and leave that elsewhere but at the time, you know, it was time when pop stars were trying to do that. Prince was trying to act as well. And why not for a female star to be able to do that? Uh, I think the fact that she would enter the conversation even about, like, who she's dating, with Sean Penn being obviously a big relationship in that 
you know, in, in the 80s. And then later, like as he moved into the 90s, even like, oh, her co-star Warren Beatty is something going on there. Madonna was a part of the, the you know, pop culture conversation, no, no matter what it no matter what medium. And I think that's that's what makes her an it girl, the it girl, like you said, for the 80s. It start, starts and stops at Madonna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, you know, it seemed like every album she put out, she always had a different look. So like you said, she was way, you know, always, you know, changing with the times and, you know, doing different styles. And definitely, you can definitely tell the influence that she had on current pop stars today. You know, like a, you think of like a Lady Gaga or a, or like a Katy Perry or, or, or you know, girls like that who, you know, probably grew up on Madonna um, wanting to kind of mimic her style. So definitely, um, you know. She was a trendsetter, and she still um, is still, you know, one of the most iconic figures in music today. So definitely, uh, you know, I, I I would like to see anybody who would do an '80s uh, Mount Rushmore of '80s girls and not have her on her on their list. And, <laughs> you know, try to explain why. I think that would be the right. uh, the better discussion. So, um, okay, but why don't you go ahead and give us the next entry on your Mount Rushmore of '80s it girls? Sure. So, like I said, I, I struggled a bit more on the it girls here, but I think the ones we I came to here really, really do help define that decade. And, you know, 1980s, uh, one of my earliest memories growing up was obviously watching, watching sports, watching the Olympics. And it feels like every four years, you know, the Olympics brings about some new name, some new personality, sometimes out of nowhere that really grabs our attention, grabs that national spotlight. And the real first version of that was, for me, was Mary Lou Retton in 1984. Uh, Mary Lou Retton took over as this, you know, that the the gymnast who won gold at in the 1984 Olympics. She was actually the first female gymnast outside of Eastern Europe to do it. Uh, and you know, obviously, some of those countries had boycotted and weren't there, so maybe that had something to do with it. But she took over, you know, becoming like one of the biggest stars in America, one of the most recognizable faces all around by, by competing in those Olympics and winning this like small, spunky, energetic, you know, athlete in the red, white and blue stars and stripes bouncing around with so much energy. Uh, she really kind of took over uh, that idea of America's sweetheart on an, from an athlete perspective. You couldn't go anywhere like after the Olympics. She got obviously to be the first female athlete on a Wheaties box. We saw her there. It didn't matter. You'd see McDonald's commercials. Energizer, I think, had her. Uh, all these brands would pick her up and just have her do some backflips in their <laughs> in their ads. Right. It was a way to sell products was to make sure you had Mary Lou Retton tied to that and her energy, her you know dedication with 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 gymnastics. I think possibly might have sparked more of this. You know, even gymnastics craze after that, that we see the Olympics take over every year with more gymnasts coming through. Mary Lou Retton was the the first of that. And she's just right there in, in front of like 80s figures to, to be top of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I actually uh, I had her on my route Rushmore as well. Um, Andy did not. But again, he kind of went the uh, same route in the, the uh, guys where he had mostly uh, besides Madonna, he had pretty much all actresses. So um, okay. I'll them shortly. But uh, but yeah, I mean, she Mary Lou Retton really definitely became like the face of Team USA um, there at the 84 Olympics. And, you know, the fact that she had, you know, she had to go she had to go under undergo surgery, you know, five weeks prior to that and to do as well as she did winning the gold medal. Um, you know, it really kind of, you know, endeared her to everybody. It's like, here's this, you know, like you said, this like 
like small lady with a lot of heart. You know, she wasn't gonna let this, you know, this injury, you know, derail her. Um, you know, like you said, being, you know, kind of we the you know, appearing on the box of Wheaties, being their first spokeswoman. Um you know, just such, such, you know, like you said, she was everywhere. I mean, she was, you know, she would be in TV shows, she'd be in films. Um, and she actually kind of uh, more recent in recent uh, months made the made the news because in uh, back in October of last year, um, she had been she had pneumonia and everyone thought, you know, she was going to pass away because the big thing was like, I guess she did not have health insurance. Um, and they were trying to, you know, crowdfund medical, you know, money for medical expenses for her. But apparently she did um, end up recovering and she's doing well now. So, um, mm-hmm. but again, when you think of like the 80s, particularly in the sports world, um, when it came to the Olympics, I mean, you, I mean, she was everywhere. And there's definitely no doubt that she is one of those, uh, those la- ladies, when you think about the 80s, you definitely have to think about her. So, um, so yeah, definitely a uh, more than worthy uh, entry on the list here. So, um We'll go ahead and give uh, mine, uh, maybe uh, Andy's next entry on his Mount Rushmore. And um, like I said, he did, uh, again, keep it all actresses, um, Sans Madonna. Um, and again, another um, kind of member of the Brat Pack, not the, the one I think everyone's thinking about, but she's one that definitely, um, you know, again, got her start in the 80s and really kind of broke through through that decade um, to where she is now. And he ended up going with um, Demi Moore. Um you know, obviously got her start in the start in the 80s, um, kind of, you know, doing some little films. She also appeared in um, she was part of General Hospital um, for a brief time. Um, of course, got her real breakout role in St. Elmo's Fire. Um, wasn't about last night and would go on to, like I said, have a really um, you know long standing career um, throughout the decade. Really kind of more got into her own in the 90s um, with some of those films there and then even to the uh you know, going forward, um, of course, you know, she had the um, well-publicized relationship with Bruce Willis. Um, and she's, again, just one of those, um, you know, not one you think of, I think, immediately when you think of uh, 80s It Girls. But, um, again, just, you know, she was, you know, she just exudiated, um, you know, beauty. And, um, you know, she just had such, a again, an aura about her that um, that you can't, you know, can't overlook, you know, how, how big she was at the time. So, um she did not make either one of our lists, but um, did you have anything else to say about Demi Moore? Not, yeah, not really. Again, not one I would have associated with a 1980s it girl, I guess, but a great actress, great performer. And I mentioned, we mentioned Cusack before, and I mentioned One Crazy Summer. Hey, she's Cassandra. She is the love interest there. So she's definitely a part of that 80s scene, I guess. I think of her more for her her later work and her later accomplishments that she kind of goes under the radar from that uh, for for the eighties it style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So okay, well I will go ahead and give uh, my next entry on my, my Mount Rushmore, and this is a uh, another lady who kind of you know had a lot of big um, hits in TV and also was a um a you know big movie star. Um, again, kind of you know. Not one you think of immediately, but I think she definitely uh, really carved out a good little niche for herself throughout the 80s. Uh, and I did end up going with um, Kirstie Alley. Um, you know, kind of interesting. Her first, uh, I don't think a lot of people may know this, her first big film was actually uh, Star Trek Wrath of Khan um, in 82, um, which I didn't even know about um, until just reading up on it. But then, of course, she would go on to have, like I said, some you know other big films, uh, One More Chance, Blind Date, Runaway, Summer School, uh, She's Having a Baby, uh, Look Who's Talking, 
and then you know kind of continue that throughout the and into the 90s um and then of course like i said she was you know had plenty of episodes on you know shows on tv mainly in a uh, masquerade um north and south the hitchhiker um cheers um i think was probably one of her one of her more significant roles um and again further into the 90s and the 2000s obviously you know she's kind of you know her kind of personal life has, you know, kind of gone back and forth, you know, with her, you know, her weight obviously being one of her, um, unfortunately, one of her kind of biggest uh, issues. She's kind of fluctuated with that. And then she did, um, unfortunately, just recently, tragically passed away um, at the end of 2002 um, in December of that month of that year. So, um, sadly, she is uh, she is no longer with us. But, um, again, when you just think of, like, you know, the 80s, uh, particularly on TV, you know, she was definitely all over the place with her as um as a you know regular cast member for certain shows um or being in like different um like guest spots on other tv shows it's like you couldn't you know turn on a tv show without seeing her and obviously like i said you know she'll always be remembered as being uh being in cheers so um she did not make any of any other list but did you have anything else to say about kirstie alley I love Kirstie Alley as an actress. In the 80s, she pops in there, like you said, Star Trek and Summer School. And, of course, at the end, uh, the big starring role in Look Who's Talking, uh, which was, I think, I got to imagine that was 89, right? And with, It was, and, yes. Yeah. And that's, you know, another just, just, hey, she put that into three movies, you know, from there. Uh, a, a, a real kind of like an older version of like the teen idols obviously she was really she's just a, a beautiful woman and and talented actress and they start building things around her it was good to see her start getting those roles in the 80s and yeah i think like you said some of her later projects maybe uh maybe are what we remember her more for but still i think those 80s picks of of uh of star trek of 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 look who's talking and of course the iconic role in cheers uh, made her, you know, more of a breakout. So yeah, cool. I like Kirstie Alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, why don't you go ahead and give us the next entry on your Mount Rushmore of '80s It Girls? Sure. So we'll stick with the actresses, I guess, uh, since we're doing that. And I think, just like I said, John John Cusack previously imagined like this '80s movie, or imagine the like the kind of high school down on his luck movie picture. John Cusack is your protagonist. When I imagine an 80s movie or a teen movie, the girl at the front of it that I picture is Molly Ringwald. And Molly Ringwald with the like short the the red hair, just such a such a distinct, unique look to her, but also a really talented actress. There's something about the way she plays falling in love and being a you know a teenager with real problems and real concerns she's not there's nothing like fake about her performances in those films she's always comes off as really genuine and was to me the real breakout star of the brat pack to me if you think of the brat pack she's the one you think of maybe it is the red hair maybe it is just kind of the iconic lines that she delivers in films but uh it's it's molly ringwald and the Brat Pack behind her. Surprisingly, not a really long run uh, in the 80s. I was looking it up to try to think. I was like, man, she was around for a while. But it's really over like three years in the middle in the middle of the decade that you get 16 Candles, then Pretty in Pink and Breakfast Club. But all three absolutely, you know, standout performances. She kind of carries her parts of the film and plays with the ensemble perfectly. I think uh, as far as... You know, a, a, an actress who 
plays the 80s teen and was able to be you know to, to connect with audiences in that way that's why i, I love molly ringwald as this mm-hmm. yeah definitely i mean she i mean when you think of like i said when you think of the brad pack you know she's the first one you think about and um i had her on my mount rushmore and andy also had hit her on his mount rushmore so much like uh much like madonna she is a uh she molly ringwald is a clean sweep um mm-hmm. I mean, you, I mean, it's interesting to think it's like um, she did end up getting her start first on uh, different strokes and then on the facts of life um, in 79 into 80. But then, like you said, there's that triple threat there, basically uh, 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink. And really, that's all she needs. That's all she needs. Um, that's all you need. That's that. That's, that's, exactly. That's all you need. That's for. a she resume. Would, I mean, she would go on to have some other other films. So she was in uh, King Lear um, in 87 um, and a couple of other films. Um Kind of throughout the throughout the ensuing decades, and um, she did also have a uh, reoccurring role on um, the Secret Life of the American Teenager um, in the late 2000s, um, and she's still still appearing in TV show, you know, TV appearances to this day. So she's still, you know, you know, still going strong to this day. Not as prominent, like you said, as she was, but um, but again, when you think of the 80s and you just think of film, you know, when it comes to you know. That that decade, um, you also always think of the Brat Pack, and she's uh, like you said, right at the uh, right at the forefront of uh, of the Brat Pack, and definitely one of the most um, those actresses that you always think about being so synonymous with that decade, just for those three films. So, and I'm sure, uh, and obviously Andy would agree, since like I said, he had her her on his Mount Rushmore as well. So, okay, well I will go ahead and give uh, Andy's final pick. Um, on his Mount Rushmore, we're kind of flying through here, but again, we're you know, we're you know, kind of more uh, in sync here with the with the uh, girls than we were with the guys. Um, so his um, final pick here is another interesting kind of pick here that she um, that she really kind of broke through in the '80s between not just her um, acting career but also, of course, her modeling career. Uh, and he ended up going with Brooke Shields. Um, you know, I actually had her as an honorable mention. Um, obviously, you know, she kind of broke broke through with um, the Blue Lagoon in 1980, um, and like I said, she would also um, kind of not just get over for her film work, but also obviously with her modeling. Um, you know, she was just all over the place with all the different um, you know magazines she was in. Um, just was so synonymous with you know being a model. Um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, had a little bit of a rough go with her uh, with her films because most of them that she was in were not very well received. Um, you know, like I said, Blue Lagoon, uh, Sahara. Um, you know, just to kind of, you know, she was in the Muppet Take Manhattan, one of my favorite films of all time, as a uh, just a random diner customer. Um, Speed Zone, and you know, again, continuing on through the '90s and the 2000s. Um, but again, just again, so synonymous with the decade. Um, between her acting and her modeling skills and also her TV. I mean, she did do a lot of TV shows. Um, of course, in the late nineties, she was more synonymous with suddenly Susan. Um, but again, just, you know, got her start in the eighties. Um, like I said, just a very recognizable look. Um, and just one of those, again, one of those ones that you always think about, you know, when it comes to acting and modeling, I mean, she was really one of the first, uh, big, um, Kind of models for, uh, of course, you know, we all remember the Calvin Klein commercial she was in. Um, you know, the old saying, you know, she would say, you know, what comes between me and my Calvin's nothing. And, um, you know, it put, you know, put Calvin Klein on the map as well. And it also helped put her on the map. So she definitely, so I could see definitely why Andy would have her on her, on his list. And like I said, I did have her as an honorable mention. Uh, you did not, but did you have anything else to say about Brooke Shields? Uh, 
I did not, but yeah, a breakout decade for her and even for like towards the end with with models. So I think you started to see more of a shift towards uh, towards them having more of a, a an influence in the in the in the zeitgeist and you know people people paying attention to you know the the super even the supermodels that would start to emerge later and Brooke Shields, yeah, crossover appeal for all of that. It's a it's a, it's a good pick. I had not thought of her at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, you have one entry left on your Mount Rushmore of 80s it girls, and uh, why don't you go ahead and give it to us? All right. So, Steve, Andy, I know I said, hey, this was a bit more of a struggle for me coming up with the girls. And uh, the, my last pick, I'm not sure. I hope it qualifies. I think it does. To me, it does, because this was a, a woman who, uh, to me, was synonymous with the 80s. And growing up and going to school in the 80s, one of the big things that we always had drilled in our heads and learned with every every message in health class in english class in other classes it would always come in was the just say no campaign just say no to drugs and the poster child the, the spokesperson for that the woman who led that was the first lady of the united states nancy reagan and nancy reagan uh really kind of in the similar vein as jackie o in with with uh with kennedy uh, brought back or brought in more of a personality to the White House and to like the the first lady position of of the White House. Uh, she her her influence in you know there really made her a really notable figure in the country. Um, at first, when they came in, there were stories about her like redecorating the White House that got a lot of attention. Or and she brought more of a like fashion sense for like how she dressed and how and how they were perceived as a as a first couple uh but at the same and and that made her just almost like on a on a level playing field with the present which is an odd thing to see uh, like i said in school we couldn't escape nancy she would be at the beginning of videos we watched in health class or like in in books we watched like talking about just say no leading that campaign she got on my tv you know meeting with arnold on different strokes again uh in a in another crossover thing she was just a huge part of that, and I think really uh, was was such a public figure and one of the most famous women uh, in the United States throughout that entire decade. The end of the decade uh, after they had left the White House, obviously she had uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer, and to me, I think this actually really built more, even brought more awareness to that and to women of getting tested and and being being able to check uh, for breast cancer, having such a public face to it. So all of those influences, all of those kind of, uh, you know, campaigns she was behind to me really made her this this other it girl for my for my list for the 80s. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely that's a definitely interesting choice. Um, I know I didn't have her, neither did Andy, but um, but I mean, I definitely can see the the argument i mean like you said you know as the first lady she was definitely on tv a lot um you know like like you said she was definitely she was compared her style you know fashion style was compared a lot to jacqueline kennedy um the just say no campaign like you said really kind of um you know was was all over the place um kind of the predecessor for some of the other like drug-free um uh, campaigns they would do throughout the 90s and even the 2000s and um you know, is, is so you know she she just had such an air about her. I mean, she came from she came from acting, much like you know, much like Ronald did. Um, you know, they would go on, of course, to you know, not just you know, 
you know, rural, you know, basically, you know, help grow California in the 60s, 70s. And like you said, you know, with, with Ronald as president, you know, he was definitely, you know, that decade was such a, um, you know, good time, which was, was such a uh, big time for the uh, U.S. Um, and he was, you know, at the helm of it as the president, and she was there right along his side. So, um, so I definitely, I, I don't think um, a lot of people probably have her in first thought, but I definitely see why you did include her. And I think she's definitely would be um, definitely a good, uh, good choice. All right. Thanks. <laughs> okay well that will uh that will wrap up our main list here like i said we went through pretty quick here quick here but again we had a lot of similarity you know pretty good similarity here so um we'll go ahead now and talk about some uh, honorable mentions we haven't talked about yet so i do have again a few um i already mentioned brooke shields so i'll just kind of go through other ones i had kind of almost like a um excuse me kind of low rent version of madonna i did have cindy lopper um Kind of sim, you know. I mean, the girls just want to have fun. Came out. She was again all over the place, and again, much similar to um, in our previous, um, the previous half when we talked about Hogan and Mr. T. Um, she was also just a synonymous for kind of crossing wrestling and pop culture together because she was there, you know, even starting in '84. Because um, Captain Lou was, of course, in girls, just, the girls just want to have fun. Music video. She was there by Wendy Richter's side in '84 when she won the women's title from Fabulous Mula. Um, and then even into the you know eighty five with the War Cells score and then WrestleMania, um, she was at the first Saturday Night's Main Event as well. Again, just one that was so synonymous with that um, with that decade. Um, again, not being on the same level as Madonna, but definitely um, deservingly so, you know definitely up there as well. Um, a couple of other actresses I include on here: uh, Heather Locklear. Um, again, kind of one really kind of got getting her you know, run throughout the eighties as well as uh, Kim Basinger, Basinger, I think that's how you pronounce the last name. I was never easy with that one, but, um, but they definitely, um, you know, both kind of got their big start in the eighties and really kind of brought their own little um, style to it. And then two other um, supermodels I had in the same uh, vein as Brooke Shields, um, Christy Brinkley. Again, she was just all over the place in terms of like magazines, photo shoots, um, you know, she was all over the place and also similar, um, Cindy Crawford. Um, and again, we talked about in the first half, you know, the, uh, the Pepsi, you know, advertising, you know, she was, she was one of those as well. So, um, you know, again, two, those two definitely, um, really broke out in the eighties and really kind of made the supermodel, um, a big thing throughout the eighties between just the two of them and Brooke Shields. So, um, so those were my honorable mentions. I don't know if you had anything else to say about any of them. Yeah, Christy Brinkley, a great pick right there. Uh, you know, between just the cover, the covers of SI and uh, her modeling campaigns, and come on, Uptown Girl music video, st- stepping up, and then dating Billy Joel, like, uh, you know, really, really great pick for an it girl. And Cindy, yeah, towards the end, like definitely uh, bringing that, like we said, the supermodel idea out front. I think those are those are awesome picks there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, uh, did you have any other honorable mentions that we haven't discussed yet? I do, and these are kind of like real strict uh, '80s memories. My first one is Jane Fonda, just for the fact that I feel like that workout tape and the rise of aerobics and people people doing homework home workouts was so popular that people knew that Jane Fonda home video and and workout records and everything. She was definitely uh, in a lot of homes uh, in that way. I had uh, Lisa Bonet to me was, you know, a, a wonderful actress, a really beautiful woman. And just like was the person who could who was the breakout star of those first seasons of The Cosby Show. Uh, so much so that she actually would get actual film, you know, real film work out of that, unlike most of the other actors on it. 
she could stand toe to toe against uh, Cosby really on a level of performing in a great way and, uh, you know, got her own show out of that, uh, which was great. I think Lisa Bonet had, you know, some fashions that style sense to her, too, that would that people like admired and fans were a fan of similar to Madonna. Uh, and I think that was a great part of her. And then going off of, you know, Mary Lou Retton and her wonderful performance, uh, becoming a breakout star and superstar from the Olympics in 88. We was we turned our attention to track and field and we had Jackie Joyner Kersey being successful, Carl Lewis being successful. But really, the breakout star was Flojo, uh, Florence Griffith Joyner with the the like styled nails and, you know, and 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 love of fashion, but just also still uh, a star athlete, a breakout track athlete being able to perform, uh, you know, the only Olympic athlete I can think of that got her own line of dolls. Uh, afterwards, so Mary Lou Retton was on Wheaties Box. Flojo's got some dolls. I think she was another just like of that moment of the time, like so eighties. Like Flojo would be would be an it, it girl. Yeah, those are definitely um, those are good picks. Um, like you said, um, I mean Jane Fonda, you know, was the you know the the poster child for the for the fitness um, and the you know the aerobics were routines that you definitely um, always saw during that time so definitely um, you know definitely up there um, yeah Lisa Bonet um, like I said you know very famous for the Cosby show um, and being that part of that and then yeah for the uh, Flojo I'm not as familiar with her um, I know like you said she was you know I did see that she was you know one in the you know 88 um, and apparently she was also kind of like the um, subject of a really uh, you know, heavily scrutinized because everyone thought she was on steroids at the time, um, though that was, I think, eventually disproven. Um, but yeah, those are definitely some um, definitely some good picks there. So um, um, I'll go ahead and uh, give uh, kind of Andy's last honorable uh, mentions here. He did also have uh, Kim Basinger and Christy Brinkley on his as well, so he copied me. He, he's with me on that one. And then his other ones here, um, obviously another Brat Packer, um, Ali Sheedy. Um, obviously best known for being the, uh, the basket case of the breakfast club. Um, mm-hmm. in addition to, you know, some other, you know, big roles during the eighties. Um, he also had, um, Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, and she was kind of getting her, you know, start there. I believe it was, uh, I believe it was the eighties. I want to make, yes. So of course, 83 was Scarface. Um, and she, that was her, mm-hmm. you know, breakout role. So she definitely, um, you know, kind of got, got her start there with that. Um, he also put down Alyssa Milano, um, Another one really oh, kind of get, yeah. Yeah, getting, yeah, getting her. Yeah, it's funny because I think she's, um, obviously she's, uh, well, she of course was in Who's the Boss, um, but obviously I think a lot of people would probably best remember, more remember her for being in uh, Melrose Place, Melrose Place, um, as well as Charmed. So um, maybe not as um, synonymous with the '80s as some of these other actress, other girls, but um, but definitely, you know, again, one that's, um, you know, yeah, but got, she, but she, but but like her breakout on. On who's the boss? She was she was you know the second star of that show in a big way. She had her out. Al- she put out an album, Teen Steam. I remember, and she had like a not a nine. She was everybody had nine hundred lines, but I'm pretty sure Alyssa Milano had a nine hundred line that you could call to. So that's that's another put that up there with a uh, you know Saturday morning cartoons as like <laughs> being into being a, a pop culture icon. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then uh, the final one he had on here is. Um, is Phoebe Cates, and uh, obviously, if you recognize the name, you'll know that what she's famous for. Of course, the infamous uh, 
scene in last uh, in, uh, Fast Times at Richmond High, where she comes out of the pool um, in her um, little red bikini, which she then proceeds to um, show off the twins. <laughs> um, definitely, again, another very iconic uh, scene from the 80s. Um, and she would go on to have a good little career. Um, she also was in Gremlins and um, was in a couple of other um, you know big films around the time. But obviously, she'll always be remembered for... Um, for that moment in Fast in uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So, um, did you have anything else to say about any of those other picks that Andy had? Other ones sound great. I love Phoebe Cates and Gremlins. I think that's that's and and in Gremlins too, she's one of the like best parts of of both of those films. Uh, so, th- yeah, definitely a, a a good pick on there. A lot of lot of a lot of actors and actresses to go through on this list. Good good a good cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, I will say it was definitely very um, actor and actress heavy because, I mean, we did, even though, you know, when it comes to music, you know, Madonna's at the top, you know, there's still other great you know musicians that could be considered. So, um, excuse me, I mean, you can definitely do like multiple Mount Rushmore's, you know, just, you know, you do like 80s, you know, actresses, 80s musicians, that sort of thing. So, um, but it does open up some good discussions down the line. So, mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, that will go ahead and uh, wrap things up here. Um, it was a great, um, great episode. I think we did uh, episode 50 um, some justice with the uh, with this discussion that we had. Um, but before we go, we will, of course, talk about where um, we can be found on social media as well as any other uh, potential podcasts that we have going on. So, uh, John, do you have anything you want to direct the listeners to and where you can be found on social media? Sure. On social media, uh, I'm on Facebook at John Keslika, Twitter at CoachK56. Uh, and around the podcast feed, uh, you can usually find me here with you guys on the Mount Rushmores. Uh, I just ra- I just did another music video. I hadn't done them in a while for the vi- pop video jukebox. So if Andy was here, I would be able to tell him, "Hey, it's I just sent it to you." But uh, trying to get involved with those again. Keep a- keep abreast on the Place to Be Nation and North South Connection chats. Uh, we're always having good discussions there, and it's uh, you can see me pop up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. That's good stuff there. Um, I will say for Andy, of course, you can usually find him on this feed. With uh, he is a part of, of course, uh, as you said, video jukebox song of the day. He does a couple of other good shows, including uh, Pop Goes the Classics. That's me, him, and Miranda Berthold, where we're going through all the Disney animated films. Uh, you can also find him on the uh, wrestling feed with uh, Logan Croslin. They are doing Who's Next, where they're looking through the uh, current day NXT. Um, great stuff over there so be sure to follow him on that and um obviously follow him on everything else in terms of his social media um as for me uh, i can usually be found on this feed as well with this show video uh, video box on the day and pop classics as well um over on the wrestling feed i have extreme resurrection with james grunberg where we're going through uh, wwe's version of ecw from 2006 to 2010 uh, currently we are in the summer of 2007 on the road to SummerSlam. Uh, cm punk is going to challenge john morrison for the third straight month for the ecw title so we'll see if he finally cashes in uh, as we are also continuing to see the uh, continued um building of big daddy v and the miz over on ecw so lots of interesting stuff going on over there and also i will hype over on the north south connection youtube channel um similar to what we did back in november when we counted down the greatest war games matches in history we're going to be doing something similar here we are going to be counting down the top 10 royal rumble performers in history uh basically what we did was kind of got together we kind of pulled uh, looked through the numbers and we created a list of who we thought were the 10 best uh, 10 best performers in royal rumble history uh the first episode that's going to be the, that um 
by the time this airs, the first episode will have already dropped, which was myself and Ryan Gray, where we are going through some of the honorable mentions, those that did not quite make the list. Um, so we took a look at the performances of Rhea Ripley, Kane, Batista, The Undertaker, and Roman Reigns. So some uh, interesting uh, discussions there as to whether those five, um, if they belong to the list or not. So be sure to follow that. And be sure, of course, to follow everything in terms of the uh, North-South YouTube channel. Um, If you have not yet subscribed, please do so. Um, Those guys are doing a really good job over there. And I will also just kind of quickly mention uh, JT and Ryan are going through every WrestleMania match in history. They are ranking it from... They ranked all 402 matches, and they're going uh, day but you know every day, um, all the way up to uh, WrestleMania 40 um, at the beginning of April. So be sure to follow all of that, and of course also be sure to follow us on the PTB Facebook group. Lots of good stuff going on over there, um, you know, because discussions, questions, occasional tournaments, um, lots of great stuff there. Um, so if you're not a member, please uh, please do uh, please let us know. We'll uh, throw you an invite, and so that you can get in there. Um, obviously, again, lots of great stuff to talk about and lots of great stuff going on everywhere. So uh, with that, we will go ahead and wrap it up here. So for Andy Atherton and John Kisilika, I am Steve Rowe. This has been Making Matt Rushmore here on The Pop Experience, and we will see you next time.